Welcome to this edition of New Work in Intellectual History. My name is Lasse Anderson, and I am a PhD candidate in intellectual history at the University of St. Andrews. With me today is Joshua Bennett, who is Junior Research Fellow in History at Christ Church, Oxford. His work in intellectual history focuses primarily on historicism, religion, and social science during the long 19th century, primarily in Britain. Today, I am talking to Joshua about his first book, published by Oxford University Press in 2019, entitled God and Progress, Religion and History in British Intellectual Culture, 1845 to 1914. Welcome, Joshua. Well, good morning, Lasse. Thank you for speaking to me. It's a pleasure. My first question to you today is, can you give a quick overview of the main arguments of your book? Well, the book really seeks to do two things. It's an attempt to reconstruct the power of religious historicism in British intellectual culture during the second half of the 19th century from 1845 through to 1914. And by religious historicism, I really mean the intellectual power that religion and religious debate exercised over people who are interested in trying to understand history and its significance for the present day. And the book argues that that significance or that importance really ran in two interconnected directions. Um, firstly, in the context of ecclesiastical politics and denominational debate in the 19th century British Isles, in um, England and Scotland especially, but also in ways that had ramifications within um, Ireland, we see a tendency, first of all, for at the beginning of the period in the 1830s and 1840s, for ecclesiastical actors, religious revivalists, to try to use history, really, as a way of defining partisan identities in the context of a great deal of uncertainty and anxiety about the ecclesiastical constitution and what religious authority was in the 19th century world. Um, and this fed into a process of religious splintering fragmentation um, of a kind which caused anxiety and concern of a different sort to sort of liberal thinkers um, after around about the mid-century. And so the first important movement that you see in the 19th century sort of intellectual and religious landscape, really, is an attempt by um, liberal Protestant thinkers to try to use history and more developmental and progressive ideas of religious history as a way of trying to forge new understandings of religious identity in Britain of a kind which are more self-consciously open to biblical criticism, to um, liberalism to religious pluralism and these are arguments that are conducted by liberal thinkers in a kind of uh, in a historical idiom and a progressive idiom which is quite different from that which you saw in the early phases of the evangelical revival so that is one way in which historical thinking wrought a, a wider intellectual realignment in 19th century british culture um, and the second main theme of the book which is related to that liberal enterprise really um, is this attempt on the part of many liberal thinkers in Victorian culture and liberal thinkers who are often not really regarded as our part of our canon of liberalism today and liberal thinking today, um, who are interested in trying to understand the ways in which religion fueled and sustained, in their view, progress in the wider history of civilization. Um, so how is it that modern day Britain and Europe have really grown out of, in their view, um, Christian and spiritual sources? And that was an argument they were making partly with a view to challenging some religious conservatives who had a more um, anti-progressive or, or, or purist view of what religion ought to be, but 
especially after 1870, that view was increasingly pointed in the context of more fundamental challenges to religious authority from scientific naturalists and agnostics, who are often more interested in looking to the scientific method and the history of political economy, for example, as alternative ways of understanding the sources of, of improvement and, and morals. Um, so I think that the initially quite maybe internal way, ecclesiastically internal way in which religious history was understood maybe in the 1830s and 1840s, increasingly gave way, I think, to a much wider ranging and, if you like, broader seated anxiety concerning the foundations of, of civilization and where religion really fitted in relation to that. And that was, a, was an issue which cut across all sorts of religious divides and uh, philosophical divides uh, after 1870 towards 1900. So that's what the book is really trying to say. It's trying to, to, recon to, to recapture the dynamism that those uh, areas of activity had during the Victorian period. That, that's fascinating. That's very interesting. I wonder, could you give a sense of the structure of the book uh, on a chapter by chapter basis? Well, I aim to structure the book in a way that would reconstruct the categories through which Victorians themselves thought about the implications of history for religious questions. Intellectual history is, I think, often quite presentist in how it conceives of its problems, in that intellectual historians commonly take up an issue which may be important in our own society, um, for example, human rights, just to take one instance, um, and then they work to find the origins of that complex of thought and its subsequent development down to where we are today. But this is, of course, an interesting and a valuable approach, and one of its merits is that it is a ready way of showing the relevance of intellectual history to understanding the world around us and the frameworks that we today use to understand our society. At the same time, I think it's always important for historians also to address and to find a way of taking account of the radical difference of the past and to take account as part of that the fact that historical actors often become invested in questions and methods which may often be quite alien to our own experience. And this was the thought, really, that led me in structuring the book that we're now discussing to organised in a way that reflected Victorians' tendency to see a particular historical period as a kind of symbol or code for the intellectual and cultural problems which I think mattered to them. And that is the way in which the main body of the book is structured. Uh, but I, I preface that analysis with an introductory first chapter, which situates Victorian religious historicism in the context of uh, contemporary publishing and university history, and in the context of the widespread contemporary engagement with German idealist thought, which helped to spread developmental ideas of history through the different levels of British intellectual culture. And in this chapter, I also explain that I'm concerned in the book above all with what I think of as Protestant intellectual culture, uh, in a broad sense, which encompasses liberal and more conservative believing Protestants, uh, but which also extends to the high church Anglicans, uh, secularists and agnostics who define themselves in a more critical or oppositional relationship to what they perceived as that rather hegemonic cultural uh, mainstream. Having set out that groundwork, uh, the book's second chapter proceeds to focus on Victorian engagement with the early church, a period which stood as a kind of symbol for the question of the authority of orthodoxy as the early church had originally defined it in 
19th century culture. And here I say that after an early period in which religious revivalists had reasserted quite static conceptions of orthodoxy, preeminently with the Tractarian rediscovery of the early church fathers as a, an authoritative source of, of truth in the present day, uh, John Henry Newman's essay on the development of Christian doctrine, though of course the text of a Catholic convert, belonged to a much wider movement, which also spread very widely in Protestant circles, which sought instead to treat orthodoxy as historically dynamic, as something which grew uh, over time. The implications of this kind of historicism could run in a number of different directions. Religious sceptics, for example, considered that the historical dynamism of orthodoxy helped to disprove it because it proved a disconnection between the Bible and official church beliefs. Uh, and some um, evangelical or, or, or radical liberal Protestants were interested in understanding or, or, or diagnosing the wrong turnings taken by early church doctrinal development so as to give emphasis to their own uh, readings of the Bible, which elevated that in different senses as the source of authority. Um, but given those emphases, at the same time, it became increasingly common for many Protestants to welcome the idea of doctrinal development in early Christian history um, as expressing a sort of subjective expansion or uh, vindication of biblical truth in the rational minds or the, the experience of believers. So there was a way in which the rediscovery or the new emphasis being placed on the history of development could function as a way of blending um, religious orthodoxy with the new romantic era emphasis on subjectivity and the authority of conscience. There was a way in which history could, I think for many uh, Protestant thinkers, become a way of bringing those two, those two impetuses together in a way that was, uh, became an important part of religious uh, apologetics. Um, the third chapter moves on to discuss the rather different question of Victorian engagement with the history of medieval Christianity, which became in this period a way of speaking about the role and authority of Catholicism in 19th century society. Uh, and here I particularly focus on the liberal Anglican Henry Hart Milman's History of Latin Christianity, published between 1854 and 1855, which represented a wider Protestant move away from an early Victorian evangelical revival tendency to uh, denounce medieval Catholicism as uh, iniquitous or a manifestation of Antichrist, um, in favour of seeing medieval Catholicism instead and the uh, modern Catholic system it had, in their view, given rise to as a now outdated but nevertheless once providential and creative religious system. Uh, and that was an historical idea which you can see a number of Protestant thinkers using to try to reach a more um, tolerant or uh, accommodating conception of, of the role of Roman Catholicism in their own society. Um, chapter 4, then, takes on the history of the Reformation uh, and the way in which the history of the 16th and 17th centuries became a way in which Protestants could debate the present-day authority of the religious culture which had formed them uh, and enabled them to debate, for example, the historical legacies of Puritanism um, or the relationship between the Reformation and the Renaissance in, in history. And that became a way of arguing about the relative authority of a sort of Biblicist religion um, as opposed to or in dialogue with a, a Hellenistic rediscovery of the human self. And that was a, a debate which, again, could issue in a number of different emphases, depending on the, the sort of Protestant that was making the argument and that was undertaking the, the historical study. 
The fifth and final main chapter is something of a synoptic uh, exercise, which considers contrasting Victorian readings of the Enlightenment and especially the sort of bifurcation which opened up between agnostic and secret intellectuals on the one hand, who saw the 18th century as a period that was significant above all for secularisation intellectually, uh, and on the other liberal Protestants who thought of the 18th century instead as having opened up the possibility of uh, rational theology and religious renewal, a, 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 an enterprise which they thought of themselves as continuing in the Victorian period. And that debate over the legacies of the 18th century uh, fed into one of the notes on which I end the book, um, in which I argue that in the years around 1900, uh, British intellectuals remained fundamentally divided as to whether the 20th century would in the end represent a period of religious strengthening and consolidation on the far side of the age of transition, which Victorians generally believe that they were living through, um, or whether alternatively the future would instead be one of secularisation and the waning of religious authority in the West and its replacement by other sources of value. Um, I think our own secular present day uh, seems rather inevitable to us now. Secularity is the the normative starting point in Western societies, at any rate, of academic and public discussion. Um, but the Victorians saw a kind of open-ended possibility as to the future of religion in the modern world, which I wanted to recapture in the book, because I think that by recognising that openness as to the relationship between uh, past, present and future in Victorian imaginations, one can, I think, go quite a lot of the way towards understanding um, why it was that they became exercised by the questions that, that tended to, to detain them. And I think that's important for, for the wider enterprise of historical understanding. In my view, history is about um, uh, ultimately understanding uh, difference and trying to understand people who are, who are different from ourselves. And I think that the wider story of religious historicism in the 19th century, uh, why it gained its power, why people became invested in it, uh, why it lost its traction ultimately, um, is a very helpful way of contributing to that uh, intellectual um, exercise. And that's what I hope I've contributed to in the, in the book we're talking about. Great, wonderful. My next question um, is, what led you to write this book? And does it have a connection to previous work of yours? Um, thank you. Um, well, I suppose my ultimate interest, the real driving source of my interest really in this problem, was just my earlier undergraduate uh, era interest really um, in 19th century intellectual history. I'd, I'd done some work on that at the level of um, undergraduate uh, papers when I was an, also an undergraduate in, in Oxford. And I became just very interested in the 19th century as a period really that's both in chronological terms and in some ways experiential terms is in some ways quite close to our own society. We can see it's clearly a period of profound um, modernization, disruptive changes of the kind which set up uh, modern um, economic and political and cultural conditions in important respects. But at the same time, it's also a very foreign society. It's very strange in many ways. And the um, intellectual anxieties which played upon um, Victorian minds were very different from those which which I think detain us and trouble us now, and that that double that that tension really between um, the modernity of the nineteenth century and also its its distance was something which 
led me to become very interested, really, in the history of Victorian historical consciousness and historical thoughts and how Victorians are in one sense interested in understanding history as a story of um, progress and movement towards a more uh, modern seeming state of things. But the way in which they account for that movement and why it troubles them um, was quite culturally distinctive um, and was overlaid and constantly, as I argue in the book, with all sorts of theological and religious anxieties of a kind which have since, to, to, to a significant extent, have since lost their traction in Western culture. Um, so I wanted to, 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 to so, so my, my, my interest in the book, in writing the book, was really an attempt to wrestle with that fundamental feature of the period, really, which uh, which fascinates me and continues to fascinate me. Um, as to whether it has had a relationship with any previous um, work, well, uh, I had, for example, written my undergraduate dissertation on the subject of uh, Tractarian or, or, or High Church Anglican understandings of the 17th century in 19th century context, and why it was that the histories of the English civil wars um, continue to animate uh, ecclesiastical and religious political debate in, in Victorian conditions. And that came out as a short book in, in 2011. Um, and I wanted at the level of my doctoral project and then in reworking it for, for, for a book, I wanted to take that sort of issue up and, uh, uh, and write a much bigger study about it and to try to think about how analogous issues also affected alongside Anglican culture, um, non-conformist culture, and also secularist intellectuals and uh, people that were, were in a kind of state of um, a, a, a doubt, really, and didn't really have a, a, a very strong commitment either way as to where religion was ultimately going to go. So I wanted to try to embed a, what, what I initially approached, I suppose, as a rather narrower question within a much broader cultural and intellectual context, which is what I hope I've done in, in, in God and Progress. That, that's excellent. Thank you very much. Um... My next question is, um, what, was there anything you found uh, particularly interesting or surprising when you, when you researched this book? Um, yes, thank you. Um, well, I suppose always whenever you embark on any kind of extended research project, it, it, there are always so many surprises along the way. And you always have to be very watchful about your own hypotheses and making sure that when you go into a subject with a certain sense of why it matters or why you think it's important, always being prepared to rework that, I mean, in the light of, of, of the evidence that you that you encounter. Um, and then I can remember, for example, when I first started working on the problem of history and the relationship between religion and historical consciousness in Victorian uh, culture, um, I wasn't sure when I first began my researches on this, when I was an early stage doctor student, as to, as to where my conclusions were going to lead me as to what that ultimately you know amounted to i thought it might be initially a story of secularization um it might be that history was actually a very important instrument in um undermining and uh, and overthrowing a lot of earlier um sorts of um orthodoxy and variations of protestant belief in victorian culture um but as i went on and i did the research, I could see that that was an effect that historicism had on a significant section of, of Victorian educated society, as also in other in other parts of Europe where similar similar debates are being um, had. But actually, what struck me and what I emphasized in the book, and this was, I suppose, the, the most interesting finding is from my own point of view, was the ways in which Protestant thinkers, especially in Victorian culture, were often quite um, optimistic and uh, pleased, really, about the implications of historical consciousness and historical criticism for, 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 for religious debate and for the religious future, really. I think they 
by and large, my, my sense is that the, the, the Protestant mainstream of Victorian intellectual culture um, ultimately thought that history and the story of um, the development of European civilization really confirmed the idea that there was some kind of spiritual force um, underpinning uh, social movement and cultural development of a kind that gave history meaning and access to historical criticism of a kind which could um, refine understandings of the Bible or improve understandings of Reformation era creeds and Reformation era theology was a way in which they, they, they felt they could purify their own religious inheritance of accretions which might render it untenable from the point of view of more radical um, critics. So um, alongside many, alongside I think uh, quite a lot of surprises as I was going along the way and doing it, and that's what makes historical research so so interesting. Um, I suppose uh, the, my, the 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 most fundamental illumination, the most interesting illumination to me, I think, was um, querying a, a, a linear sense of how of how and why um, intellectual secularization happens. Great, Th thanks, thanks for that for that. Um, my final question for you today is um, if it was up to you, what, what kind of impact would you like your book to have on the, on the research field? Um, well, there are lots of interesting questions in history and there are lots of questions to, 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 to address and uh, all, all projects have their own significance and that's true of other people's projects as well as, uh, as, well as my own. Um, in terms of what I fundamentally hope that it achieves, well, what I hope it does is really just to encourage or to continue in the process of encouraging uh, historians to take 19th century intellectual culture seriously as an area of historical scholarship. I think that in recent times there has been, and you yourself may have had some awareness of this in your own work on the 19th century, there has, I think, among modern historians in recent times been quite a big movement away from 19th century subjects in favour of 20th century subjects. Um, and that, in many ways, is, is perfectly understandable and interesting, because, of course, the 20th century is more recent. It's uh, maybe uh, a terror incognita. It's still there to be, to be mapped out and the parameters of how we understand it defined and, and, and shaped. Um, I think, though, that the 19th century remains um, really un un untapped, really, to, to a very significant extent, so far as the proper understanding of its intellectual context and dynamism is concerned. Um, and I think that um, people should... Or my hope is that historians will continue to engage with that and will continue to think seriously about the ways in which important aspects of modern intellectual culture, such as historicism and the story of the growth of historicism and historical consciousness in the modern West, um, have their origins in 19th century um, environments and origins in environments which are very different from those which we ourselves um, inhabit. So I hope that it, if it does anything, I hope it just provides a stimulus to 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 to, to scholarship in the nineteenth century distinctively, and I hope that it represents a, an argument for its for its inherent interest and, uh, and importance in accounting for where our own society ultimately has has come from. Yes, well, th thank you very much for that. And on, on that note, I'm gonna I'm gonna say thank you for uh, talking to me today, Joshua. Well, thank you for the interview. It's been very interesting to speak to you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay.